0: Last week, Holly Qualman joined the show as a guest host and she spoke to our woman in supply chain for September, Ali Cedeno, who is an advocate for women in maritime and shared her story and why the support is so important. You are not going to want to miss her story because... It is one of adversity, women coming together, and just talking about being yourself. Check that out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season 2 dash episode 79. First, a word from our sponsor. Like the products you manufacture, it is not unreasonable to expect the merchandise used to promote your brand to do so without posing risk to the recipients or the brand itself. Supply chain professionals can now play a leading role in protecting and growing their brand's reputation with the help of the Quality Certification Alliance. QCA is an independent, not-for-profit, 501c6 third-party accrediting and certification body dedicated to ensuring accountability throughout the promotional product industry supply chain. Visit QCAlliance.org to learn more. Your brand is your organization's most valuable asset. Protect and grow it by aligning your values with QCA. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. With school back in session and everyone getting back into routines, I am in Las Vegas this week at the JOC tech conference. If you are here, make sure to come and say hello. I would love to meet you. Today, I am being joined by Kurt, CEO of Open Sky Group, joining us to talk about supply chain services and software. But before we dive into that, first, I'm going to share with you a recent review that we got for the show. And it comes from Jen Smirth, Smurf via Apple Podcast. She said, great supply chain resource, a must listen to for supply chain professionals and anyone else that finds the evolving world of supply chain fascinating. An easy five stars to give. Thank you so much, Jen. We love hearing from the audience. So make sure that you go and write a review over at iTunes and I will feature it on an upcoming episode. Now let's get back to listeners corner and the question of the week. So the question is, how will customization of products change manufacturing? Well, this was a big one. I spoke about this with Greg and Scott over at Supply Chain Now Radio. That episode should have been out about a week ago. So if you want to go and check that out, we talked about how inventory is most likely going to move closer to airports and consumers uh, with the customization and personalization of products. And uh, we're going to be seeing more more local micro manufacturing over on LinkedIn, the let's talk supply chain LinkedIn page. We had a few people weigh in, Enrique says, I think that it depends of your product and the target market you have. If you're selling customized products for wide market groups of people, then you'll face some tough challenges to be successful. Bruce Bruski says, bring on 2020's version of the personal 3D printer, or even better, the Star Trek replicator. (laughs) Darshit says, we have to do some of... A whole change in the manufacturing side, but if that change is going to impact your profitability or increase your market share, then you must have to do it. Vikash says, it's good, but based on the current product live standard in the survival market. My reasons for rating good through below specific points, and he goes through point one to four, but you're going to have to go to listeners corner at Let's Talk Supply Chain to hear the rest of his answer deborah dull she actually started a conversation between her demo Piyush, and uh, they went back and forth so again over at letstalksupplychain.com under listeners corner go and check out the whole conversation but deborah has to say ultimately customization will require manufacturing to move closer and closer to point of use demo says totally agree and Piush says mobility manufacturing circular economy. And then over on Instagram, Rahulio says customization will be good for manufacturing due to the increase in customer demand for customization, causing increased sales. But it will also be bad for manufacturers because it will make manufacturing more complicated. I completely agree. Thank you to everyone who weighed in. And if you want to read more of the answers, remember go to listeners corner at let's talk supply Or remember to join in on the conversation every single Wednesday over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, Twitter, and Instagram. So back to today's episode, I am speaking to Open Sky Group about what they're doing in the industry, how they're helping people navigate supply chain tech, and you're not going to believe some of the awards that they have won. And so right before we get to know a little bit more about the company, let's get to know a little bit more about Kurt. So as Chief Executive Officer, Kurt focuses his time and energy on growing Open Sky Group into the organization he he knows it can be. The vision he has for Open Sky Group is a multinational company that deeply cares about its employees and customers. Open Sky Group's goal is to provide the products and services customers need to stay competitive and be flexible in the ever-changing, disruptive business environment that is the world of supply chain. So welcome to the show, Kurt. Uh,
1: thank you very much, Sarah. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you could join us today because I think we're all just trying to navigate this crazy world of supply chain tech. And it's just great to know that there are specialists like Open Sky Group out there to help us. So, why don't we get started? And can you tell us about the Open Sky Group story? Where did you begin and what exactly do you do?
1: I would be happy to, and in fact, this is really a story that every employee should be able to tell you because the history of where we, we are and where we came from and how we got started is so important that we actually take time and teach all new employees the this story because it it really sets the foundation for how we got to where we are today. So in our early days, we had a lot of companies that we saw would struggle. Not everybody, but some companies really struggled with implementing technology and transforming their business and at the time we worked for a software vendor and at that time it really was not our business to really help those people get over that you know those internal struggles like you know changing culture and politics and all of that but that's something that the you know founders of OpenSky really wanted to do was we wanted to become a trusted partner and help the companies that needed that help get through their their technology transformations. So we started Open Sky Group. Started on Valentine's Day of 2006, which is a nice little uh, anniversary for us. And we started off as a systems in- integrator, really, to begin with. And our core mission is still the same today: to really help companies, you know, to implement. But we've really just taken a much broader role. Now we're really everything from end to end, providing. You know, the software licenses, uh, hosting, and support services, as well as the implementation. So, same core mission, just much deeper than it was when we started um, 13 years ago.
0: And I think that it's really, really important. I mean, I asked the question of the week um, a couple of weeks ago was, you know, what's your challenges in supply chain technology? And there was a lot of different responses. You know, some people going back to manual because they can't. Um, they can't get their heads around the technology or you know going too big versus you know maybe taking smaller steps so there was a lot of different challenges and I think that a lot of companies really do struggle with this technology piece and um, one other thing about teaching your employees about the history of the company I you know congratulations on that because I think you know that's a really big important piece of culture and uh I think that it's you know commendable that it's something that you teach your employees as they you know join the team, but let's get back to that struggle with supply chain tech. You know why
1: do you think companies struggle with that so much? Well, before I started OpenSky, I worked for twelve years in supply chain technology, and I probably worked a couple of years before that in just enterprise software in general, and I think I came to the conclusion way back then, and it's still validated today, it, I always felt it came down to three things. It was leadership, discipline, and training. And if you're lacking the right leadership on a supply chain project, it, which is a person who really has a vision for where you need to go, what you need to do, it, then projects tend to flounder, right? And and the, the discipline piece, well, the training, let's cover training next, leadership, training, discipline. People need to know how this solution fits into their lives. So, a lot of change management is just not done very well. You you know you're not getting the feedback from users. You're not getting software or systems or processes in the hands of end users early on to validate and poke holes in. And, and then the final one is the discipline that even if you've done everything right and you've got a system that fully meets all the business requirements and the legal requirements, what happens if you, if you're, you lack the discipline to actually keep the data right? And I think in warehouse management specifically, uh, what we like to call item master data or logistics data, you know, size, dimensions, weight, colors, all the different attributes. We see a lot of companies, you know, struggle to to maintain that kind of data and that, you know, as an example, and, and it could be many other things. But I still think, you know, those are the three areas that have always been in there there've always been a problem and and as part of what we are and what we do today you know we we go into our projects knowing that these are things we really need to watch out for and, and if we see these red flags pop up you know we need to hit them head on
0: yeah and i want to just sort of touch on that de- data point Um, a little bit further because when I did ask the the question about the challenges in supply chain tech, data came up a lot. Um, And I don't know about you, but I think that data is a huge part of supply chain conversations um, today. (laughs) I talk about it a lot. I'm sure you talk about it a lot. Why are we still struggling with this?
1: Well, one of our employees here loves to say that without data, there's nothing to do. So it it's all about data in fact warehouse man- warehouse management systems are just really they're really interesting front ends for a massive database or a collection of databases and the biggest problem we have is we don't really have standards we we've talked for years about edis and various different uh, you know standards organizations but at the end of the day we've never seen any two companies interpret a standard the same way so it's getting it's getting better. It's getting easier today in 2019 than it was in the past, but we still seem to really struggle with keep people being able to get good quality master data in their systems, and then to get good transactional data in their systems. You know, even if you have your master data perfectly entered into your systems and everything's pristine, when you get that order that references an item you don't have or and it references a shippable quantity that doesn't exist within the you know how you offer or tender that that item to market you, you still have a failure you still have a problem so it you know comes down to the integration the lack of standards and probably more so the lack of understanding of what you mean and i think when you're talking to a company about integration, it's so important to have people who've been there and done that, that really understand what that means. Because when you put the wrong data in the wrong field, all kinds of bad things tend to happen.
0: Absolutely. And I would totally agree. And I think that, you know, when you talk about the standards or even regulations around data, I think that that is an important piece that maybe we don't talk about enough. Um, but before we go into a little bit more about Open Sky and what what you can do for the supply chain community and what you do for the supply chain community, I want to just go back quickly and touch on your culture, because I really think that what you're doing with your culture at Open Sky um, really does set you apart as well. Um, you know, I checked out your your website. I did some research before this interview and it says on your website that you hire the best no matter where they are in the world. So, you know, with such a global economy, which with such, with such a global supply chain, do you would you mind just explaining that strategy so we can convey maybe to other companies how you're doing it so successfully?
1: Well, you, I mean, you got it right. It is culture. Culture is hugely important to us. But let me just go back and address why we hire people anywhere in the world. If when we want to get the best people. It's not always a choice to just, you know, relocate everybody to, to a place. In fact, it's somewhat a detriment to what, how we do business. So on any given day, you know, we're probably, ha- we probably have people in, in a handful of countries and, and at least half of the states in the United States because we're, we have to go where our customers are. So there's some, there's some good risk mitigation by not having everybody, you know, here in in Raleigh, North Carolina, and having people spread out throughout the world. And our customers really demanded it, you know, from day one. We called our headquarters GHQ, which was a nickname for global headquarters, and you know that was when we were a five-person company. But we were doing projects around the world because our customers were around the world, supply chain is around the world. You know, today more than ever. It takes an entire world to actually, you know, just keep things going. And that's shifting and changing through, you know, tariffs, trade wars, whatever. You know, now we're looking at different parts of the world and, and that's just that's fine. You know, we'll react to it. So hiring the best people we can find and where they're located. You know, if, if someone wants to live in Los Angeles and they got access to a great airport, that's fine by us. We don't care. Uh, the only time we maybe don't follow that rule, Sarah, is when we're hiring, you know, new people out of college and we we really need to get our culture infused in them, train them on how we do things. And, and we have a very successful program where we can bring people in, you know, for six months or whatever and get them to where when we send them out in the field, you know, they know what they're doing. And so, yeah, we'll tend to bring new people here, but people who are, you know, proven and can hit the ground running, we just don't care where they are.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that it helps you pivot. Like you said, with everything, you know, sort of changing those trade wars and things like that, you need to be able to pivot as quickly as your customers. And I'm sure that that is, you know, one thing that really helps you do that. So another thing that came up in my research was that you've been recognized on numerous (laughs) occasions. And I'm just going to list a few. So top 100 great supply chain partners list by Supply Chain Brain, um, uh, Inc 5000, JDA top reseller North America, Food Logistics top 100, and I think there are so many more. But what does Open Sky Group do differently that sets you apart and sets you up for winning such you know amazing accolades? <sighs>
1: Well, and, and most of those awards awards are multi year awards. Like uh, I think the top selling partner for JDA is we've won that three years now, and and what it it goes to the culture we're very competitive, we care. Caring is one of the core values, and we care about the culture, we care about the company brand and reputation. And one of the things that we have done from the beginning, uh, maybe not the very beginning, but in the early days, is we wanted to make sure that we were recognized in the industry and we could stand out. And one of the best ways we could achieve that was by looking at awards that might be difficult to achieve but changing how we thought how we did things so we could achieve those you know when we went and saw uh we were we were at a, a conference for one of our software vendors and they were bringing people up on stage and giving them awards the the team i was with we all looked at each other and went we'll be up there next year and and we were and we've been up there every year and and the reason we do that is because it's just it's so important to us and it's fun which is our seventh course value. It's fun to win awards. It's fun to be winning. And so it, it's just part of who we are as a company.
0: Absolutely. I really like that. So you you actually worked backwards. <laughs> you set your your eyes on a goal and then you work backwards. Really towards achieving it.
1: And, and I should also add, we don't just do it at a company level. We do it at an individual level. If you take a look, there are so many people have been published, they're on videos, they're on, you know, uh, on different blogs. Uh, they've won awards in the industry at the individual level because it's not just good enough that the company wins. We all enjoy that. Uh, but we want to make sure that the individual contributors get the acknowledgement and they win those awards too. Because if they win, we win anyway.
0: Absolutely, it it really creates that collaborative environment and that win win, you know, scenario.
1: It, it's the right, caring. and then it's it, that whole, you know, we care, we care about our company, we care about our customers, we care about each other, and when you care about people, you want to see them, you know, successful, and you want to see them win.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. So let's um, give the audience or the listeners a little bit more tangibility i guess why don't you give us a real life example of how you've helped a customer in the past and what did it mean for their business
1: yeah there's so many i think you know i was just looking we've done over 700 projects since uh, we started 13 years ago and so many of those projects had a personal something personal about them in you know, in one instance, we had a customer who reached out to us and was just very worried they would lose their job because they were struggling with implementing supply chain technology. And and I, we came into that company and we helped that person get the project on track and really elevate them. And then they moved on to other companies, and you know, they've come back and hired us again. Uh, we've also, you know, when when the when the economy is down. We tend to help customers do more with less. I can think of a couple specific examples where we found ways of really boosting productivity so that they could stay competitive. And then, like right now, where the economy is really up, now people want to do more with what they have, and and we're helping those customers find ways to really. You know, improve their out their throughput through, you know, like robotic task automation, and to reduce the number of people you have in a, you know, in a service center, to putting automation in the warehouse, to eliminate people from walking uh, unnecessary distances. There's just there's so much of that stuff that you can actually do today at a reasonable cost. Some of it with almost no capital investment. Uh, that I I really think that people just need to be putting that in their 2020 budgets and beyond and and saying, how can I make a little investment here today, you know, that's going to give me a big boost down the road.
0: Yeah, and, and where do I start? I think that was one of the, the other questions that uh, we had when I, when I posed the challenges in supply mm-hmm. chain tech is...
1: You know, where do we start, you start at the beginning? <laughs> do you do and you, you Yeah, you start at the beginning and you finish at the end. I mean, you can start anywhere. Look at just take where you begin everything. And I have yet to ever, for me personally or for our consultants, we have never gone into an operation and not found ways that you can't do things better. You can't use the technology more to your advantage. And so I, I think. I think even if you think everything, the best companies I've ever worked with, they make improvements in fractions of a cent. You know, they're not out there to go get, you know, these huge things but it's all those incremental little improvements of everything you do and that constant 90-day reset of okay what what, what are we going to tackle this quarter what are we going to do next quarter i think it's that continuous process improvement that we love to call it in the 90s or 80s it's if that's not part of what you're doing in your supply chain you're you're going to fall behind
0: yeah and back to your point as well you know don't be scared of cost Like you said, that there are a few tweaks and and different things that you can do that don't have that capital investment. Because I think when people think about supply chain technology, the first thing they go to is, this is going to cost me a fortune. But I think that, like you said, if you're working with the right consultants... Um, that, you know, can really analyze what you're doing and you can start implementing little by little without that large capital investment, Um, I think that that's definitely a benefit to businesses in the supply chain community. So, I think the other thing that, you know, sets you apart as well is your methodology. Um, In my research, you talk a lot about implementation methodology of disciplined agility, um, that's a bit of a mouthful, <laughs> so I'm hoping that you can you can explain what that actually means, um, and also if you can let us know how that is different from the traditional method of implementing supply chain software. I,
1: I certainly can. So the the disciplined agility comes out of the the founders of OpenSky were very much early adopters of Ken Schwaber's work around Agile Scrum. And we knew that Agile Scrum was magical for software development projects because it it did certain things, and I'll kind of elaborate on those in a second, but we kind of realized that agile scrum wasn't just for developing software you could use it for any change you were doing because it was the principles of that that were so different so in in traditional implementation methodology you go away and you do a whole bunch of stuff and like one of our people loves to say the reason why waterfall uh, methodology works why people love it so much is they can go hide out for a few months and not actually get anything done uh, the thing with agile is, when you bring that agile, that disciplined agility into it, you're not you're doing these short sprints where you're you're actually saying, okay, customer, all right, let's do this, and you go create it, and then you put it in the hands of the customer, and the customer gets their hands on it early and often and throughout the entire project, and so that. Adapting that Agile Scrum to an implementation was just a very natural thing. And it creates amazing accountability because, you know, here's what I did yesterday, here's what I'm going to do today. It it creates that, you know, immediate feedback you get. and, And that has really been what's driven us from, you know, changing how we approach projects. It's hard for some customers to actually want to do this because it is so different but once they get into it and get used to it they usually like it a lot
0: well and I think to your point I mean agility is really going to be the key to the future right because with the knowledge base changing I think every 1.5 years and that's today it's just going to get Mm. faster companies companies need to pivot Um, And so the agility component is really going to help them to pivot faster as well. And um, there is another methodology that I want to talk about because in a recent article from OpenSky, you talk about the history of WMS. And it really caught my attention because you talked about no modifications And, you know, when you think about technology, you think about having to potentially customize it, having to do modifications, you know, and different things like that. So, can you explain to me what has evolved and why? you know, why this matters, why you're saying no modifications?
1: I I sure can. And, you know, many of us started, um, our chief revenue officer and I, we, I mean, we started in this business 25 plus years ago. We were, we worked for software vendors where all of our projects were 18 to 24 months and we coded everything from the ground up and a customer got exactly what they wanted. Well, then, you know, as Things move along into the 90s and the early 2000s. Package software just became very popular. But it seemed like even though companies were delivering out-of-the-box solutions, all the implementers and the people who wanted to use the software still wanted to do it the way they always did. And so they created a lot of um, customizations and modifications to, to make systems do what they wanted to do. Well, the thing is, you know, we work with, you know, primarily JDA software, and they are so good at listening to their customers and they are so good at building new software and making sure that what comes out is you know has more stuff in it there's just no excuse these days to really customize the way we did and remember i told you about our culture and how we're pretty competitive and everything so we we're also very big on who can do a project with the least amount of modifications or customizations to to it and
0: (laughs) competition do, do people get to win anything at yes the end of that? they
1: do and we just like within the last two weeks we had another customer go live it's like number go live 20 or 21 year to date i forget and that cust- they had zero modifications on that project. And and they not only will they receive tremendous praise and accolades, I'm sure they'll be rewarded handsomely for it, but certainly their client is going to be rewarded handsomely and not needing to have these this baggage around and not inhibiting them from being able to upgrade or take patches or quickly pivot, as you said, when there's something that's changed in the way they do business and now they need to turn on a whole bunch of new functionality and And fortunately, they can do it without it negatively interacting with customizations or modifications. So we, as a philosophy, do intentionally try to avoid modifications. It's competitive. We also make sure we work super close with our vendor to let them know if there's anything that's not working as expected or if if the customers are needing something they're not delivering, that we get that built by the vendor through all of that we've actually got to the point where we are truly delivering zero customization projects and we're incredibly proud of it.
0: Great. Yeah, congratulations on that because... You know, I'm sure that that is not an easy thing to do these days with, you know, a lot of different moving parts and different businesses and, and businesses looking for that customization. But the fact that you're able to do that analysis and make sure that it's the right thing for them without those modifications, I think is great. So um, I want the listeners to get an idea of when they should call Open Sky Group, right? Um, when they should start working with you Um, and so what point in their tech journey right because there's different there's different stages of that journey so at what point on that technology journey should companies look to work with OpenSky Group?
1: You know today I think a lot of people reach out to us when they have an RFP or an RFI and they're looking to buy software or they need an implementer and I think that's Somewhat of a shame because I think there's a couple reasons why people should really build that relationship earlier. When and number one is just building relationships, when you implement this kind of enterprise software that's going to be transformational and uh, it's mission critical, you really want to get to know the people that are you're going to be working with. Because when we implement a, a system, they're usually a customer for seven or eight years or more, and in fact, at least. Two of our customers have been with us from day one, and um, or year one, I should say, and and not only did we implement a WMS form in the past, but we've upgraded and implemented a new one. Um, so, and the other the other thing is, we're just really open and honest and transparent, so it doesn't hurt to call us and say, look, we're not really ready to buy yet, or we're really kind of kicking the tires and understanding what's going on. Just be honest with us. We share a lot of information. Our blog is rich on on, uh, very educational articles with stuff you can use. And we're very willing to help customers get an idea of what things are going to be like, what it's going to take. And even if you decide that we're the wrong direction for you, that information and knowledge is just going to make it so much easier as you wade through all of this stuff you're going to hear about, you know, warehouse management systems. There's so many choices today and, it, and it's a pretty big choice you should take, you know, uh, quite seriously. And we don't mind if you want to reach out and just have a chat.
0: Well, and I think the other important point is, you know, the uh, analysis portion, um, it's all well and good when you get to an RFP or an RFI, but you don't know what you don't know. And so analyzing what you currently have before you go out for that RFP or RFI, um, you might actually find that you need to go in a different direction at first and come back to that, right? So without the analysis and really knowing the gaps, the processes, um, and seeing if there's potential for anything else, I think is, I think is an important piece to consider
1: and your maturity as an organization what are you ready for
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely so I love to tell my listeners all about what the future looks like and I so I really want to know what's next you already spoke about your culture and how you're immersed with that and uh, the methodologies that you currently use but I'm sure um, that you're looking at new and exciting things happening, and, and you're working on new and exciting things. So why don't you tell us about that? What's next for Open open schedule?
1: Wow, there's, you know, we just finished our, our annual board meeting, and we're still working on revising some of our strategy for the, you know, next few years. But I can say that you're going to see more of us around the globe in different places. We're you know, the customers. are customers are global. The projects are global. will be pulled into different directions. That's you're going to continue to see that. I also think you're going to see more technology solutions that are native to uh, Open Sky Group emerge, where we're really kind of taking some things that uh, we're being encouraged to really develop and kind of own specific, you know, spaces, uh, especially things like our. Our client billing that we do, uh, you know, for you know, 3PLs, uh, as well as other companies who want to use it to track uh, costing. So those, I don't think any of that will change. And on the culture front, um, we just, this year we brought in our first full-time uh, human resources person to really focus on on our people. We've done a great job doing it all these years, um, but that's going to create even more focus on training, education, career development, and uh, and things like succession planning and 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 how we continue to prepare for growth because we've been on a massive we've been on a lot of growth and it's very fun but it's a lot of work and you and and you want to go back and fill those gaps in and make sure that the organization is is you know perfectly equipped to handle that next uh you know uh growth spurt that will be coming probably very soon
0: well, I am very excited to see what happens next with Open Sky Group. So when looking into and implementing the right technology solution for your supply chain needs, make sure to build the right team and partners around you for successful executions and really to head any challenges off at the past. For more information about Kurt, Open Sky Group, and this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 80, as well as their website, openskygroup.com. Thank you so much, Kurt, for coming on the show today and sharing your insights. You're
1: very welcome, Sarah. It was very fun. Thank you.
0: This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say.
1: How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary
0: self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes and customs fees to import your products into north america to get 10 off your first clearance sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain If you like this episode, check out the rest of season two under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com or check out our throwback Thursdays on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Next week, I am speaking to Shift about their amazing app that will enable you to adjust staffing levels in real time to meet demand. It's a huge competitive advantage and they have 95% approval rate from employees. Isn't that amazing? So stay tuned for that one coming up next week. So if you want to support the show, there's a couple of ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And also remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel, The SC Supply Chain TV, so you don't miss out on any episodes we've got a lot of really great content over there so make sure to head over also you can go to letstalksupplychain.com under shop I've got a supply chain dictionary full of 107 acronyms and definitions that you're going to need to succeed in supply chain I've also got some merch some t-shirts some tank tops that uh, have inspiring and motivational quotes that I use throughout the show. Next, go to ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z dot com, fill in your information, and you'll be on the list, the VIP exclusive list of people who will be the first to hear about what we have been working on. We are so close. I know I've been saying that for a while, but we are very, very close. Please go and rate and review the show so other people can find us over on iTunes, plus I'll feature you on an upcoming episode. Who doesn't want that? Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in. Thank you so much for all your love and support. And remember everybody, ship happens.